Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another belated edition of Catfish Corner. I'm Paul Scribina, Predators beat writer for the Tennessee, and I'm joined by Gentry Estes, our esteemed columnist. And we have sports to talk about Gentry. They've actually been played. They look like they're going to continue to be played, at least in the NHL. And um, I guess first off, um, with the exhibition game yesterday, the Predators, you know, look, you can't draw too many conclusions from one game, but uh, they look pretty good for not having been on the on the ice in a game situation for four months. Uh, what were your impressions overall, just, you know, taken away from that game? It was honestly hard to find anything wrong with it. I mean, defensively, they were active. All these blocked shots, both goalies played well. Offensively, they, they, they started fast. They scored on the power play within the first four minutes of the game. Uh, if you're looking at whatever issues you thought you might see, it was like they addressed every single one of them. Um, again, exhibition game. We, right, we'll, right. It's early, but it was an encouraging start, I felt like, for – you know, you go back to October, Paul, and this, this team started the season really hot. They did really well right off the bat, and you kind of wonder if a reset – could benefit them or maybe it wouldn't benefit some other teams, but obviously we're going to, we're going to see. Yeah. I mean, everybody's, I mean, look to me, I was just, I just did some radio in Canada earlier today and I talked the other day with the Coyotes beat writer and I'm, you know, my, my stance is this, this is a new, this is the beginning of a new season. This isn't the continuation of last season. I mean, this is a, you're going right into the Daytona 500. You're going right into, you know, every game matters. And and look, it's nice to to see. It was strange to watch on, on TV you know, a lot of things are different now, but, you know, the game on the ice, I think, you know, after a long layoff like that, you, you just don't know what to expect. And everybody, of course, has the same situation to deal with. But you brought up a couple of things I want to talk about today. Uh, and, and one of them is the goalies. And we have differing opinions on this, uh, which which I think is healthy. You've been, you know, championing Pecorino's cause. Um, and look, I preface this by saying that both goalies are going to play in this series. So we, one way or the other, you know, Pekka started 89 straight playoff games for this this franchise. That streak is going to end because of the back to back, the nature of the series and the compactness of the schedule. The, the, the games two and three are back to back. I can't see either guy starting both of those games in a row. So, but for argument's sake, you know, UC had taken over the starting job. Uh, you know, at, at the end of before the pause, if you will, um, and earned it. And, um, you know, I wrote a story a couple of weeks ago about, you know, Pekka's has, historically has been a strong starter, you know, strong, strong starts to seasons in recent years. You see not so much. And then there's the debate of, you know, who, who should, who should start game one. I, I don't really know that it matters all that much. They're going to, they're going to need the old cliche. They're going to need both goalies. And in this case, every team is going to need both of its goalies, but just for discussion's sake, I mean, I think UC's earned it. I've, you know, we, we've been to camp, for a couple weeks and got to see in, in person. We got to see last night, you know, in the game situation, both goalies did look really good. Pekka faced a, a 
bunch of high danger shots uh, in, in a short amount of time. UC looked solid. Didn't really wasn't didn't really face a lot of pressure. Again, it's one game. I, I'm of the I'm of the notion that you know UC should be the starter. I think he I think he will be the starter. But I'd like to hear your argument for Peckett. And I don't and and I'll and I'll say this: I don't disagree that if he does start, I don't think it's a bad decision. But what, what's your argument for for starting Pekka? You know, if if UC beats him out, then okay. He did earn it with how he finished the season. And obviously, had there never been a pause, he would have been the guy moving forward. And, and I think everybody was, was expecting that. But if if it's a tie, shouldn't it go to the guy who's been in 89 consecutive playoff games? I mean, really, if you're if they're both playing well and Pekka – to me, it has to do with Pekka's form more than anything else because if he's, if he's right, then I think he's probably the guy you want in what is already a really odd situation – with this tournament, um, he's been in the postseason. He's he's been through a lot that, that UC just hasn't. Uh, right. That that said, I could see you, UC won the job during the season. So if you're looking for the the fair way to continue it, that's it. But to me, it's just it's hard to go against a guy who's been in as many postseason games as Pekka, and you know he's fresh too. It's not like it wasn't March. No, I, I I agree, and I and I certainly see that that point. And I and this is in no way anything personal with either one of these guys, I'm just looking strictly at performance, but it's so hard. Again, the situation at Rin, I mean, they've, you know, the amount of time that these guys actually have gotten on the ice. I know that, you know, both of those guys were back in, in Finland for a little bit. UC was there a little bit longer, which enabled him to get on the ice a little bit more, you know, and I don't know. I, we just don't know, right. We just don't know what all that means. If it means anything. I mean, the Predators look yesterday, like, you know, they're in mid-season form. I mean, it, but in the Coyotes, you know, I watched a little bit of that game and they look terrible. So it's, 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 you can't judge anything by one game. I think you can, what you can do though. And, and I think, you know, it's kind of down your path of thinking is, you know, you, you, what do you have to go on besides the past, right? And in the last three weeks or whatever, four weeks that they've been training and had camp and, and, you know, been on the ice, you know, for, for the purposes of this kind of a tournament, like you say, they're going to need both guys and they do have the luxury of, of having two goalies who it appears they can depend on. So, you know, and there's, a, and again, it's just a lot of debate because both guys are going to play, you know, this whole, the whole playoff seat, the whole playoff setup is very compact. And you're also talking about in the Predators case and, and 16 other teams, if any of these 16 teams that are playing in the play in round, when you're talking about them playing an extra round of games. And I know that the other teams are playing for seeding purposes and whatnot, you know, but it, it's, it's not your normal playoffs. There's extra games involved, you know, and, and, and goalie plays is, is so huge in the playoffs. But another thing that could be very huge for the Predators <clears throat> is the, the reunited Jofa line, which hadn't played much together this year with Johansson, Arvidsson and Forsberg. Looked really, really good yesterday. Looked really, really good in camp. Have led them on playoff run, deep playoff runs before, and had most importantly, I think, you know, when John Hines took over, he had no time to implement his system. Like, you know, you're jumping in in the middle of the season. You got games every day or tra- every other day or three times a week. You're traveling a couple times a week. There's not a lot of time to spend on learning off the fly instead of on the fly, if you will. This last this this court this whole pause and then the camp they've had a lot of time to study a lot of time to talk a lot of time to learn a lot of time to watch film figure things out that's going to be I think one of the biggest benefits for this team as opposed to if the season were just continue uh, have just continued because they've had time now 
to kind of learn what, what John Hines wants to do. And when you don't know, and you're unsure, and I, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys right after Hines took over for the first few weeks. It's like, yeah, we, we still don't like quite know what our roles are, what, you know, what the little things that we're trying to tweak, but that Joe line is so important, especially having then behind it with Turris and Duchesne and, and, you know, those guys. And then the third line with Benio Smith and, and Grimaldi, you know, that's a lot of depth that the Predators are going to need, but they they have to, Johansson had, had a, a horrible season last season. I mean, a career worst season last season. And, and it's important that those guys who make the money, and I've said this all along, the guys who make the money have to have to earn that money, especially now. Um, and it was encouraging, not just yesterday, but through the last few weeks, watching that Jofa line work together um, and be productive, like you say, on the power play where, where the Predators have been horrible <laughs> the last couple of seasons. And they're going uh, against a good penalty-killing team. In Arizona. They, are, they are, they are. And, and I think – and they're going, and they're also going against a very good goaltenders. Look, I don't think there's going to be shootouts in this series. I think, you know, it's it, they're going to be low scoring games. I think it's going to be, you know, Arizona is very tough defensively. They don't give you a lot. They don't have a lot on the other end, but they're very hard to play against in terms of, you know, producing offense. And and so they're going to need the Forsbergs and the Arvidsons and the Johansons and the Duchesnes and and those guys to, you know, look, Smith, Benito, and Grimaldi can't be their best line in the playoffs that can't right. that can't be a formula for success for this team so it was, that was encouraging to see why know. did they ever get away from the Jofa line was that a lobby let that was a lobby thing and I think it just because they were reliant so much on that line that they had nothing anywhere else that they were trying to spread the they were trying to spread the wealth a little bit and, and I give you an example of you know when I covered the Blackhawks you know Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane hardly ever play on the same line um, and there's a reason for that because you don't always want to put all your best players on one line. And then after that, you got nothing. So if you have those threats on, on multiple lines, especially a guy like Forsberg and Arvidsson, those guys are a little more versatile. Um, Johansson's not quite as versatile with who he can play with. So I think when you kind of take those pieces away from him, he becomes a lot less effective, which I think is reflected in the kind of season that he had last season where he didn't play with those guys a lot. His numbers were way down. And when you, you know, put those guys back together. Now that they built some depth behind them, I think, you know, having Duch- I mean, Duchesne's a top line guy on, on, on a lot of teams. Um, having him on the second line, uh, you know, being able to kind of add another threat. And then that third, the third line to me is still very vital, but it can't be their, like I said, it can't be their best line. It's just got to be another, th- you know, you, teams can't take a break when, after they get through the Predators' first two lines. I mean, they're, they're, they're threats. The, the top three lines are just, you know, and then the, in the, in the checking line, the fourth line, of course, everybody, you know, you don't expect a lot of scoring out of them anyway. You just kind of want them to not give up goals and play smart and, and, you know, do a lot of the dirty work, but and eat up some time to get the other guys some rest. But I think, you know, the top three lines on paper are, are really good. I think it was big that Arvidsson got the, the goals. And, and then afterwards he makes a point of saying how, he feels a lot healthier than he did in March and how that really affects his game. And I mean, he looked different. You, you could, it, the he whole looked fast, he looked, Gentry looked a lot faster. Um, and that's his game. His game is predicated on that. And, you know, when you're not, and, and it's funny to me because now, you know, with, with, with the COVID stuff and the teams are just saying unfit to play, but it's funny how later things come out and these guys are, you know, it's just a side note for us. Like, like most people don't care, but with the, you know, about the injury status thing, and it's always bugged me with the NHL. But 
you know, Victor came out and said, yeah, my, I mean, my knee wasn't feeling right, you know, and, and I, but he never is going to say that during, during, you know, while it's going on, but you All can right. tell, you, you can tell, but yeah, he's, you know, having him at full speed and he had a little bit of a scare yesterday when he, uh, he took a cheap shot again. Um, this time, not from Corey Perry, but uh, you know, the guys, he, he's a tough, he's, he's tough, but man, I, I, I've, I've long said, you know, he, he plays at one speed and that's dangerous because he's not a big guy and he takes a lot of abuse. I mean, I don't, you know, if you watch games closely, uh, I'm not saying other teams target him, but he gets, he's in the middle of it all the time and he takes a beating on a regular basis. And his, you know, you hate to see him go down that path. And it, and it seems like he's already started where, you know, I, I'm not saying he's injury prone, but he's prone to put himself into situations where he is injured, <laughs> if you will. You know what I mean? Because this is the way he plays. And I don't think he knows any other way, but, you know, look, him and our, him and Forsberg together are are super duper dangerous. I mean, it's it's almost like watching the Harlem Globetrotters, you know, clown people uh, with the things that they can do. So it, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, you know, and and what what also is interesting to me too, Gentry, and I, I don't know. We let's talk a lot about, about during camp, but this team spent essentially had a month or two to prepare for one team. And then after that, you don't, the window shrinks a lot, right? So how much are they concentrating on the coyotes and how much are they concentrating on themselves? And I think they've, they've really focused on themselves a lot more, especially because they're learning the systems and trying to perfect the, you know, the, the, the little details that John Hines wants that I don't know that they paid a whole heck of a lot of attention to who they were playing. Um, and I think that's probably the right strategy because again, you know, it's a crapshoot who's going to win. Well, and you don't want to get ahead of yourselves in the, in the playoffs, but look, it, as you look at these two teams, if both of them play as well as they can play, Nashville should win this series. I agree. I mean, I, and, and I, I mean, Arizona wouldn't even have made the play. I mean, Arizona hasn't been in the playoffs since 2013. I think that, you know, they, they weren't going to make the playoffs this year until the expanded format. They, they're not a contender. They're not a playoff contender every year. Could work in their favor. Who knows? I mean, the series go either way. I, I think the predators are going to win the series. Um, you know, but I would say I would. I mean, I would be surprised if it went five games. But if 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 they went it in four, that's probably what I would predict. But you know, again, you know, the the whole we're going to see. I think in the first round is going to be very telling, or the playing rounds going to be very telling to see what kind of hockey we're going to see. Is it going to be kind of heavy hockey like you see at the beginning of a of a season where you know guys aren't really up to game speed yet? You know, I think. What we saw were flashes yesterday, but we didn't see a goalie play a whole game. We didn't see. We saw uh, an expanded roster, so guys weren't. The time on ice wasn't what is probably going to be in a game, especially when you're going to have three games in, in four days. Should um, also mention Dallas's points leader didn't play yesterday either. Correct, and and you know, UC also has Dallas's number, but for whatever reason. But like I said, this is a whole new season. This has not. This this whole tournament has nothing to do with last the last time we saw these guys on the ice in March. I mean, I, I really don't believe one has anything to do with the other. So it's basically a, just a whole restart. Um, here's where here's where I think it could, and, and, and I think it's a little more intangible and it could be more important as they go through this thing. If you have a team that has had some issues getting along with each other, I think you're in a scenario now at summer camp where everybody's forced to be around each other a lot more than they probably would be otherwise – where that could become a real problem for some teams. If, if, and, and the Preds have had maybe a little of that. And you, it, this is going to be 
very much a how much do we enjoy being around each other kind of experience. Once you get into one month, two months, this, this could go on a long time as you go through this. Um, I don't think that's anything that might show up yet, but I think that there are things about teams that maybe wouldn't be as important in a normal scenario as they're going to be in this where they're all crowded into a hotel together this whole time. Well, that, and that's, you're right. There, there's also that aspect of, you know, usually when you're in the playoffs, you're, you know, you're not playing, you're not playing back-to-backs, you're traveling, you have, you know, kind of a set schedule and you're playing games later at night. I mean, these games are being, you know, Predators play in the middle of the afternoon, you know, the first three games, um, not accustomed to playing at, at that time, you know, being away from family, not, you know, it's not your typical, I mean, they're basically, you know, they're in, they're in incubators over there. They're in, you know, they're, they're not out going out to dinner and they're not socializing. They're not, you know, it's, it's very much a, a controlled environment and, you know, what does that do to a player mentally? And, and that's a big part of the game too, right? Like, you know, like you say, you're, you're, they're going to be around each other a lot, but they're also social distancing. Like they're not going, you know, they're very limited. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're very limited contact. I mean, they're eating meals together pretty much after that. They pretty much are, you know, hanging out outside. It, it's not, it's not normal or in their rooms playing video games or whatever, but there's, you know, they have a lot at their disposal in this bubble. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're, they're, they're being well taken care of, but it's, also I think that, I think there's a fatigue aspect that's going to come into play here, not in these first best of five series necessarily, but I think as you go through this thing, when in the NBA, I think it's going to have this too, where when a team gets down 2-0 in a series, that's it. I don't, I don't know. You don't know, or they get down two games or three games or three to one. How, how much fight are they going to have to want to keep doing this? Right. Right. And yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of outs, outside factors that aren't normally uh, present that are present now. Um, and look, we, we understand this, you know, this, I, I haven't really left my, you know, my dwelling very often in the last four and a half months. I don't, I, I try to limit my contact. That's why we're doing this through a zoom call and not sitting in a tiny little studio, you know, it, it, yeah. The, what's going on in the world is real and we understand that, but, but it is fun gentry to talk about sports again. It's a shame to see what's happening in baseball. I don't know if they're going to make it, but, um, you know, it is, it is a welcome distraction, um, not only from, uh, you know, a professional perspective in terms of what we do for a living, but also just to turn on the TV and, and, you know, like it almost felt normal yesterday, to, not in July, but to turn on the TV and, and see sports again, that live sports again, that uh, kind of distracts you for a couple hours and, or, or you can go on Twitter and argue with people about it for a couple hours or whatever, however you want to enjoy it. Um, it has know. been no, it has been nice, and I think the NHL deserves some credit with how they put this together. I, the, everything that I've seen and everything you hear from people, it's a really well done operation and how they put this together. I think the NBA probably as well. Um, there, there are other leagues that can learn from what they've had to do on the fly here. In my yeah, I'm interested. Baseball, baseball was one that yeah, I, I really thought baseball would have gone to Arizona and Florida or whatever and made it their own kind of bubble, and, and they have the facilities and limit the travel and you know. But and they still they still may decide to do that. Baseball is changing its rules every day. So the NHL seems to have uh, really thought this through and put a lot into it. And I think that, you know, I think we will. My guess is we will see it come to a conclusion. You know, I think we'll see a Stanley Cup awarded. That's what the league has said all along that it, that it wants. 
what, what, however people want to view that or whatever scope they want to view that through is, is up to them. I, I, I think it's going to be harder to win this cup than any other cup ever, probably just because of the unique circumstances and all that's attached to it. But Hey, I just, it's just nice to be able to, you know, go on Twitter and, and interact with some people and, and, you know, during games and, and just have some fun with it, even though we're not able to be there like we normally are and, and, you know, whatnot, but you know, well, and, and fans in Nashville got, you know, the, 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 the rough end of this already with the soccer team because you, you go for this whole time like there's there's the the whole idea of how tentative this feels. Are they actually going to be able to play? And Gentry, it's funny you say because I, I kept for for I, I had to break myself of the habit of writing that. Like even when the NHL announced the schedule, it's like yeah. okay, well they're scheduled to 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 start this this day and scheduled to start camp. And, and that's not because I was skeptical. It's just because I was apprehensive. Like, I, you know, I don't – nothing was an absolute. And nothing still is an absolute. But, I, you know you know what I'm saying. And to only have Nashville SC play two games so far, they're going to this MLS event. They get down there. Now they have too many cases and they have to go home. That's pretty, it's pretty cruel for Nashville sports fans. They've only been able to see this team play twice. So to be able to see the Predators on the ice yesterday and we're now going from – Okay, they're going to try to do it. They're going to try to do it while they're actually doing it. It's nice. To, it, it really is nice to see it. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an exhibition game hater for every sport. But, and, and yesterday didn't feel like an exhibition game. Watching it, it felt like, you know, because usually exhibition games are just, they are what they are. This felt like, you know, I guess maybe we all want something to, 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 to grab onto and, you know, in the sports world or whatever. Uh, but even watching it, it wasn't played like an exhibition game. It, it, and it was, you know, it felt like I was watching a real hockey game. Uh, and, and so. Is know, this why the NHL put rivals against each other in these exhibitions? I would guess. I mean, I think they want to probably, you know, ramp up the interest a little bit more if they, if they can. And I think, look, I think the NHL is bad at marketing itself in a lot of ways, but I think they've handled this very, very well. And, and, and this is a part of, a part of all that. And, yeah, there are a lot, a lot of rivals playing each other in the, in the exhibitions, and, and the stuff gets started for real for the Predators on on Sunday. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I don't know what the future is going to hold. I, I just you know, like everybody else, trying to get through today. But it's nice to have that distraction to look forward to, and it's nice to be able to, you know, our jobs are are, are um, you know, our jobs beat working for a living. But it's nice to actually be able to you know, have that aspect of our jobs return where we can actually watch some things that are going on and, and, and talk about that, which is usually my least favorite thing to do with, with, with my job. Um, you know, I like to tell the stories and all that, but, you know, I'm really looking forward to the other end of it and, and just, you know, seeing these guys play and seeing how far they can go. Well, and there's also the aspect of, look, hockey playoffs are always so unpredictable anyway, but th- this thing's even off the charts for the, uh, you. You you don't know what to expect on any team in this circumstance. This is going to be the wildest thing. I, I said I said on another I don't know if it was a podcast or radio show or whatever, but I said I would hate to be the Vegas odds makers for the for the this NHL tournament because I don't know how you predict it. I mean, what are you what are you basing it off of? You know, it's it's it's, it's a guess. So if you're into gambling and you like to take chances, I you know who knows? I haven't looked at the odds, but um, I would hate to have been responsible for making them because uh, you know it, like you say it's just so unpredictable. And I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. And I, and I normally, you know, I'll watch the playoffs, you know, the NHL, I think is the most exciting format. It's just, it's, it's such a long playoff season. 
but I think this one's going to be probably one of the more interesting ones to, to watch just because of, you know, the, the circumstances and, and we'll see what happens. And I'm interested to see too, for another, for another show, if they're going to com- permanently change the, the uh, season schedule, I think we're going to, you know, probably schedule to get started in late November. I think, I think they might stick to that schedule going forward, but, but we'll see. And that's a whole topic for another day, but uh, yeah, Sunday, the Predators are playing the Coyotes. We'll be watching from home like everybody else. Um, what's your uh, What's your prediction in this? How many games? I, I think the Predators are going to win in four games. I'd give it three. I actually think. You think they're going to sweep them? I think they're going to roll through this one. I don't know what happens in the next round, but I think they'll get by this one pretty easily. Yeah, I, I tend to think pretty easily too. I, I just. I always... mean, you're talking about a team where the GM just quit. That's not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that really affects the guys on the ice, but you know, interestingly <laughs> enough. A former Predators player is now the interim GM in Arizona, but has zero impact on what happens on the ice. But it is an interesting story. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll be doing these a little bit more regularly now. Um, I think the last time, last ones that we've done of these, we've talked to Pete Weber and Doc Emmerich, which was, seems like forever ago. Um, two friends of ours that were kind enough to share their share their stuff with us, and hopefully we'll be able to get some guests on soon. So please bear with us while we try to kind of get back into the swing of, of doing this again on a regular basis, hopefully, hopefully into October, if things go okay. And, and at some point, maybe I'll be up in Edmonton. There was talk of me going there uh, at some point. So, um, Paul, know, by the way, everybody is supposed to be in Tokyo right now. So. Yeah. Oh, that's don't even remind me that don't even remind me that I was supposed to be covering my first Olympics now and uh, <laughs> would have arrived about a week ago, hopefully next summer, you know, we'll, 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 we'll have to see, but you know, Hey, it's, at least for now, we can distract ourselves a little bit with, uh, you know, not watching Tiger King and the Ozark and, and all that stuff on Netflix and watch some watch some sports. What's and, the uh, what's the best thing you've watched during all this that you oh hadn't seen before? I, you know, I think I, I liked Ozark a lot. I did. I didn't even get through Tiger King or Lion King, or I, I didn't even get through one episode of that. I thought it was awful. I didn't. I didn't watch that either, honestly. Um, and then I rewatched a lot of. Um, I, I, there was one, gosh, I can't remember. It's a, I'm into like, I'm into like the FBI profiling. There was a series on Netflix. I can't remember what it was called, but uh, I, I watched it again for the second time. And then uh, I watch a lot of crime documentaries. So, um, and then of course the, the, the Jordan documentary, um, you know, being that I grew up watching the guy and not a Bulls fan, but, but it was, it was kind of, interesting to see i watch more i watch that stuff more gentry to see uh colleagues that i know who i work you know i work with yeah. in the past you know and, and see what they say on the interviews and stuff so that, that's kind of why i watch for weird reasons like that but yeah what, what did you get any recommendations over there I, I ended up focusing on like really popular shows that i missed the first time i i did mad men for a while and went all the way through that show and then i game of thrones okay. which act which actually isn't my speed at all game of thrones i'm not into the that sort of uh, you know alternate reality type stuff but it was really good it was a really good show it, it says how good a show it was that i watched it all the way through it and got into it wasn't wasn't a big fan of the ending and from what i read i feel like that was a shared opinion once upon a time by quite a few people that one i watched i should mention another one i watched called you which was uh it's uh it's a little out there but you know it's it's kind of it's a little dark but I like the I like the the stories and the and the I like the dark stuff sometimes too. But that was another one that I watched that I really liked. So, but um, I think you know our our, TV, our our days as TV critics probably aren't 
real lengthy, but uh, it's always fun. I, I was getting recommendations from everybody and, you know, during the, the whole quarantine and, um, but yeah, now we can watch some actual live sports. So we'll do that Sunday. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Catfish Corner. If you please consider subscribing, you can do that on any podcast app. Also, if you want a subscription to the Tennessee, you can go to Tennessee.com and uh, get one for probably the price of a cup of coffee. We're always running kinds of specials. I can't even couple those specials we run, Gentry, but I've gifted a few subscriptions to people. It's a way to get the information because we like to have jobs too. So um, if you please at least consider doing that, and we appreciate you listening. Here, here. And we will catch up with you sometime next week, I think. We'll figure out a schedule for next week, and we'll uh, get back on maybe, on maybe after the game on uh, Tuesday. Maybe we can do another one Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, it's hockey to talk about. It's good times. All right. For Gentry Estes, I'm Paul Scribino. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.